I believe that as we are about to dive into the Word of God, that He is desiring to speak very specifically to us. And the way that we respond in worship, as we hear the Word, the way that we respond in worship is to say, yes, Lord, I hear and I obey. That's the way that we, we worship in the Word. That's the way that we, we give Him adoration, we give Him glory, is as we receive His Word, we hear it and we say, yes, Lord, I know that's for me. I will obey. And, you know, so, so we're about to turn to Scripture, and um, I, I'm hoping that God encourages you. I'm hoping that God challenges you. I'm hoping that, uh, that you're ready to say yes to whatever He says to you. Because the thing is that when God speaks, and it's a hard word, and I'm not, it makes it sound like I'm prepping you for like this tough message. I'm, I, it's, I, don't, I don't see it that way. But yet, like when God says something that's hard for us to receive, uh, let's not back away, but let's press in. Because there's a reason that it's, that it's, not, uh, it's not easy at times, because we're, we're, we're working with our flesh. Uh, we're dealing with things that are established in our lives that God wants to uproot so that he can, he can use us more fully, so that we can experience him more fully. Uh, so there's a joy. So, you know, we encourage you to have the joy in worship as we, uh, as we worship in song and to have this joy as we worship in, in, uh, in, in our giving. And I want you to have joy as we open up the word of God together. And before we do that, I want to point you to two opportunities uh, that you have to, um, to engage in the Word of God in a different context than Sunday mornings. Uh, so the first one to point to is uh, Men's Ministry, a band of brothers. This Thursday, uh, on January 11th, they're starting a new series. And that new series uh, is called A Man and His Marriage. A Man and His Marriage. And now, marriage is an incredible institution. It's, it's something that God has des designed. It's a relationship. It's, it's a coming together in oneness, and it is filled with opportunity. It's filled with opportunity. So as, even as I say that, you realize the roller coaster of opportunity that is within marriage, <laughs> that it has opportunity for incredible joy and closeness and oneness and growth, and it also has incredible opportunity for conflict and for strife and for loneliness. And the invitation here for men is uh, to come on these Thursday nights. There's no registration required. Uh, just come and meet in the, uh, uh, in the mini-odd, and it's at 7 o'clock, and again, it begins this Thursday. It's an opportunity together to walk through what God has for you as a man in marriage. So whether you're, like, going along really well or you're in a time of great struggle, want to invite you, uh, because this is an opportunity to grow together and to interact with men, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God uh, in the series. And then next, we have uh, women, of, women of Grace are offering their new winter semester. Uh, Radiant is offering uh, this, and this is beginning on February 1st. It's also on third Thursdays, and Women of Grace meets um, at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. It's the same presentation, but different times for different schedules. There's child care uh, that's available. But I need to read this title. It's, it's a little bit longer. The new series that's going to be starting is Compelling Women in the Word, Gleaning and Growing from Sisters Who've Gone Before Us. So there's going to be a look at, at ladies in the Bible. And uh, so I don't know if you happen to know who these particular women are. Do you know who the, the widow of Zarephath is? Uh, who is Shifra? Who is Pua? 
It's a daughter that their parents did not like. (laughs) But these and other women are going to be studied. We're going to look at their lives, and you're going to uh, see what happened in their lives, how God worked in their lives, and how what happened in their lives can apply to your life. Uh, so we, I want to encourage women, you can register, uh, you can, the, the QR code, or you can go online to that link and register. Again, that will be starting on uh, February 1st, and that will be a three-month series. Uh, so ladies, you're invited to that. Now, we're going to move on to, whoops, we did that. I'll go There we, whoops. We did this too, but we're going to go back. Okay, so last week, it wasn't 2024 yet, but Pastor Ben brought us this message uh, in, order, uh, in order to help us to see how God would call us to start the new year. So the last time that we were together in this worship center was last year. It seems like a week ago. But, but Pastor Ben brought this. Some of you guys will get it. I know it's like snowy and it's still it's first service. But, um, but he brought us this message, and it's, it was to guard the start. Like how you start matters. And we want to make sure that we're starting with intentionality, with focus, uh, heading in the direction that God would have for us. And he shared from uh, Colossians, uh, or, yeah, Col- Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And um, in that, there were three ways to start. Uh, so I want to encourage you, if you heard the message, that you may want to go back and re-listen to it. If you haven't, it's posted online. But there were three things that we were called to start with. We are called to start with grace. The grace of God, his, his unmerited favor, his unconditional love is offered to us as a gift. And with that gift is power. So God is, will we start with his grace? Do you see it? Will we start with peace? What fights against peace often is our fear. But will we, will we receive the peace of God? Will we ask him for it? He is desiring for us to start this year with peace. And this covering over all of it, and the focus, uh, the primary focus of this message was gratitude. And that's, that's a focus that we want to live in continually. This isn't just for a message. This is for life. That, that we are to have this, this heart of thanksgiving to God. It's for the faith that we see in, in other people, for the, the fellowship that we share as believers. It's, it's having an attitude of gratitude. And so many times what, what fights against that is our focus on what we lack, I look at my life, I look around, I see others have things, and, and I feel that I lack, and that becomes a block to gratitude. But as we look to God and we see his provision of grace, his provision of peace, that response is gratitude. It's like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Will we together practice gratitude? Now, the thing is, um, we've often talked about this as far as New Year's resolutions, so this was the call from last week. It's been seven days. Don't raise your hand or respond, but how are you doing? You know, sometimes it only takes walking out to the car and we've missed it. <laughs> you know, the, what we just embraced when we were sitting in the blue seat, uh, somehow between there and the car, we get off track. But here's the beauty of it, that God's mercies are new every morning. And, you know, when we receive something, yes, we can embrace it, like in our minds and even in our hearts, but yet it needs to be translated into our living. And we do that step by step. And you know, it, truly, it is sometimes, you know, a step forward and a step back, or a couple steps forward and a step back. But we keep pressing on because, again, what Ben was talking about, like we don't, if we get started off, off in the wrong direction, it's going to amplify. But here's the beauty is that if I start going off a little bit, God immediately will call me back. That I can get back on track. And when we fall, don't let it be something that keeps you falling, but, help, but allows, it, allows you to turn to God and say, help me, God, get back up. I want to go with you. Uh, so stay on the right track. I want to read the Henry uh, Nowen quote. 
or part of it that Ben had shared, we must learn to live each day, each hour, yes, each minute, as a new beginning, as a unique opportunity to make everything new. Imagine that we could live each moment as a moment pregnant with new life. This is our opportunity. This is what's before us. So let's continue to walk in gratitude. So as we step into um, this new year, so that was last year that we heard this message. We're now seven days into 2024. And what I really felt God laying on my heart for us today is this, is seeing as God sees. To have eyes that see as God Almighty sees. And we're going to be looking at a, at a passage that's really been uh, burning and stirring in my heart for quite some time. But this is, again, focused. One of the things that, that Ben said uh, last week, again, was seeing God's grace. And, and this is, again, having these eyes that see with eyes of God. Now, I can't have that on my own. But by the Spirit of God and his word, he, he can bring revelation so that I can have eyes that see as God sees. So I want to encourage you in this. Now, Jesus said how important this was in Matthew chapter 6. When he talked about the eyes, he said that the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So he's saying this is so important, how we see how we process what we see. Because the thing is, I mean, that won't get into the physics of it, but, but it just read a little bit this past week that, you know, your eyes are taking light, reflection of light, and going through all this processing so that your brain creates the picture. Like, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. I, I, don't, I can't even really begin to understand even the elementary truths of how our vision works. But it's, it's phenomenal when you think about, again, what's happening with the reflection of light and, and that light coming back to your eyes. And then all this processing happens, and it comes into your brain. Your brain creates this picture of what you see. Well, the thing is, is that sometimes what we see is not accurate in regards to spiritual things, in regards to how we interpret even what we see physically. But God's saying, you know, guard these eyes. I want to give you eyes to see. So we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, if you want to turn your scriptures on your, on your devices uh, to that passage, I'm going to be reading in the NIV. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to read a passage of scripture. It will be on the screen. We're all going to, also going to be re referring to, uh, to some other, uh, other associated scriptures. But I want to begin uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to begin with verse 14. Now, verse 14 is familiar because we spent weeks focusing on compelled that Christ's love compels us. And we were, we were seeing the scripture and seeing how his love compels us to go out uh, and to, uh, to live lives that are, that are focused outward and sharing the gospel. I want to encourage you to read along with me here. For God's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, 
And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made him who had no sin to be sinned for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now that passage is so full of truths, and we could, uh, we could teach a, a series for many weeks or months based on these scriptures. You may think with New Year, Mark's going to go to new creation in verse 17, but I want, actually want to go to the first part of verse 16, and it's this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Now, we're going to be going over this, um, this sentence from this verse multiple times throughout the service, but I want to encourage you to let these words, like, like you, we can memorize this. So we can look at it in sections. Okay, so you look at that first part, so from now on, okay, that is a time, that's a when, okay, we regard, okay, that's a what, it's how we're seeing. So from now on, we regard no one, that's a who, from a worldly point of view, that's a how, okay? So if those questions help you, that's great. If not, I want you to see what is in this passage, though. How many questions are addressed just in these few words. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I'm going to ask one other question. Why should we do this? And it's this simple. Because God says so. Because it's the word of God. And his word is life and light. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So we're going to be unpacking this and we're going to um, we're going to be giving application to three specific um, things in regards to the scripture. Uh, but again, this repeat, I want to encourage you, especially if you have, have again, the words in front of you or if you've written them down, uh, to just keep going over this phrase. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Now, what I'm going to do, we're going to have three points that are established from the no one. Who is no one? Okay, there's nobody excluded in this, right? So we regard... No one from a worldly point of view. So what we're going to do is look at three people, and the first one you may not have thought of. You're part of that no one. Okay? We do not regard ourselves from a worldly point of view. Now, the rest, the other you probably want to right away. We, regard, we, we do not regard other people from a worldly point of view. And then third, and it's actually in the last part of, this, of the same verse, we do not regard Christ from a worldly point of view. So this is what we're going to unpack, these uh, three no-ones that are included in this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So what's a worldly point of view? Other translations say from a fleshly point of view or from a human point of view. So let's define what, what does a worldly point of view mean. And I want to give you a simple answer. It's how the world sees things. Okay, we're looking at, at how God, we want to see as God sees, but what Paul is calling us to here is not seeing as the world sees. So I've got a list of things that I've put down, and, and uh, you may have some other specific things, but here are ways that I believe that the world sees. So it's the world system, how the world system sees things. So again, you want to see what that is, just look at culture, look at media, look at our lives because we're drawn to see things as the world sees them. And here's how the world sees things. It's by the standards and values established by humans. 
by and large. It's by the world's standards and values. It's being self-centered. It's about me. It's selfish. It's having an elevated self-love. This is the worldly viewpoint, the fleshly way, the human way of seeing things. It's desiring to be a friend of the world, which we're told in Scripture makes us an enemy of God. This is a worldly point of view. It's loving all that's in the world. It's idolatry, worship of self, others, or things, loving them more than God. It's worshiping and serving created things rather than the creator. It's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. It's living for the temporal or temporary things. Living in this as if this is permanent. I want to pause there. Think about that. It's living within this realm, the temporary, as if it's permanent. It's being greedy, saying this is mine to have whatever the this is. And it's self-reliance, saying that I can do this on my own. I have the strength, I have the wisdom. It's about me. So what Paul is saying is that we regard no one, that we, that, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So when we say that, it, it sounds like he's already made this statement like, from this point forward, the when, so from now on, he's kind of, it's like he's drawing the line in the sand and saying, going forward, we no longer see anybody from a worldly point of view. Now the thing is, is that that's his call. That's his declaration. And it's a process. Paul's not saying like as soon as you read this, as soon as you say amen, Paul, to what I'm writing you, that all of a sudden there's a, there's a switch that's flipped and we're good to go. No longer will I have a worldly point of view. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that, that right now we're making this determination. We're making it clear that based on what I'm sharing with you in the context of this letter, in light of the truth that I'm bringing to you, let's draw the line in the sand and say going forward, this is our goal. This is what we're going to grow in. This is what we're going to make sure that, that we're doing because it is so essential. Because what our eyes see affects our whole being. How we perceive things affects our life and it affects the lives of those around us. So, so again, it's this call. Seeing as God sees is, is what, what he's talking about. It's based on the truth, again, that he is, he is bringing. Now, the thing is, is that to see things differently, we're breaking pattern. I'm used to seeing things the way I see them. And you are too. That through life, whatever we encounter, we have certain ways that we respond. There's certain ways that we interpret. These are just natural things that we do because we've done them. It's habitual the way we see things. So I'm going to do something intentional today. And I'm going to put on glasses. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about them. Whoa. Okay, yeah, I was curious. If I fall off the edge of the stage, you'll understand why I'm adjusting, okay? Um, these are my glasses, they are a prescription, and I have no idea when I put them on last. <laughs> People are saying, what? <laughs> I drive on the same road as you? No, <laughs> so it's, not, it's, a, it's a mild prescription, if that's what you call it. It's not a huge adjustment, but I'll tell you what it does. So I can see, in fact, I don't know if you noticed, when I was reading the scripture, I started on the big screen. And then I, at one point, I got brave. I don't know if anybody noticed it. Jeff, you saw it. I went to the back screen, and it was a test because I'm telling you, yeah, the back screen is not nearly as clear as that. Okay, it's a distance. It's a size thing. But 
what the prescription helps me with is seeing things at a distance. So like I can see at a distance. Like literally, I can see you all in the back. I can see you all online. I can, <laughs> just to check. Uh, um, but I can read that. However, as soon as I put those on, Jesse makes that whole screen get sharper and the colors are, you, you know what I mean? Some, some of you guys can relate that. But here's what I'm saying is that that it takes effort, it takes something intentional in order to see things differently. And I'm sorry, I really am getting used to this right now, and I'm going to try and wear the rest of the service. Um, but, but I can see more clearly. But it's different, and it's uncomfortable. Okay? So even seeing things more clearly in a better way doesn't mean it's an easier way, but it's a better way. Now, I know what's going to happen next time you get up to teach. Mark's going to, you're going to say, Mark, do you have your glasses on? Like, are, you going, are you backsliding? I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Let me see how the service goes. Uh, but literally, I have not worn these. I, don't, I couldn't tell you the last time. When I got them out of the case right there and put them on, this is the first time they've been on. I literally do not know when. I have no clue. Um, so, yeah, confessional community. So, anyhow, um, <laughs> it takes effort to see things differently. It takes intentionality. And God wants us to see through his eyes. Will this help me see through God's eyes? If I can read the scripture better, yes. Um, but it's going to take us making adjustments. So what we're going to do is walk through these three. And the first thing is, and I may lift to read. Um, the first thing is that we do not regard ourselves from a worldly point of view. We do not regard ourselves from a worldly point of view. Now, again, we have a natural way of seeing ourselves. And it's based, the foundationally, it's been based on the world standards. And the world standards are constantly saying, this is how you should view yourself. Okay, we're being bombarded by that. We're bombarded by it, by it in our society and in our world. Uh, so I want to ask you this. So we do not regard ourselves from a worldly point of view. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Again, I'm not. What do you see? I know it depends on when you're looking in the mirror. <laughs> when you first get out of bed and when you look in the mirror, you see something. When you get ready and you're ready to walk out the door to go to church, you may see something different. Again, for people at home, it's the same. We get it. You want to, you want to just stay, <laughs> just add the cup of coffee and we're good to go. And, and I'm, I'm throwing some darts there. But like it is, like, like it makes a difference. I see myself in the mirror when I wake up and that's not the way I want to walk out the door. When I look at the, myself in the mirror when I walk out the door, I'm looking differently. But here's the thing, is that what we have a tendency to do, not just in the mirror in the morning, but as a whole in our lives, is we tend to have a surface look. We tend to look and see what's on the surface. Is that the way I want to present? Is that the way I want to look? You know? so, so then there's adaptations. But I can tell you, like even since I prepared this message, uh, I don't know how many times I looked in the mirror. It's not a lot. It's not excessive. But, but like... When I'm looking in the mirror, I'm asking myself this question, am I looking at me? Like, am I really looking at me or am I just looking at what's on the outside? Because the world says look on the outside. God says let's look at the heart. And when we look in the word of God, the word of God is the mirror, it's the truth that will bring revelation to us. So, so when we look deeper, okay, that, that's a good thing. So we want to look at ourselves and see ourselves as God sees us. But let me ask you this question. How do you think God sees you? Because we can have distorted perceptions of how God sees us. In fact, I think we all do to some measure. 
because we are not perfect. We're not, uh, we haven't attained to, to the complete righteousness of God. So when we look at ourselves in, the, in our hearts and on the inside, we're going to have perspectives that God wants to refine, that he wants us to see more clearly. And there's two primary ways that I think that God looks at us. And I'm going to establish categories here, but I, I believe this to be true, is that when God looks at us, I think he sees one of two people. I think he either sees a sinner that he wants to receive his grace or he sees a sinner that has been saved by grace. Now, again, I'm, I, I can't point you to a scripture that says that, but we, we are either his, we are, we are born again, we are of him, or we're not. And the thing is, is that if, if when God looks at us, we need to know what he sees. If he sees a sinner who he desires to receive his grace, I want you to hear this, is that you need to ask God to show you if that's what he sees when he looks at you. Now, you may say, Mark, you know, we need positive things here. That's the most positive thing I can give anybody. That if you are not in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, if you have not been born again, you need to see yourself as God sees you right now because God is seeing you and he is calling out. He is calling out and saying, I have life for you. I have eternal life for you. I want to forgive you from every sin you've ever committed. I want you to find that forgiveness. I want you to embrace that. Yes, you're a sinner, but I'm offering you grace. Do you see it? And in that call, there is no condemnation. The reality is this, is that everybody in this room, everybody that, that is listening or will listen, listen online, have been in that seat. Every one of us have been a sinner who needs the grace of God, needs to receive the grace of God. And it's only by the grace of God that any of us, have stepped into that right relationship. So that last verse that we read in our passage, 2 Corinthians 5.21, says this, that God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That God is desiring, he's given his very life for you and for me. He's paid the penalty for our sin through his death on the cross. He's conquered sin, death, and the grave by rising again. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he's inviting you to himself. Have you received his grace? Do you see your need? Will you respond? And if right now, like, this kind of just was a gut punch for you. It's like, I really think when God sees me, he sees me as a sinner who needs to receive his grace. Praise God. Because right now you can receive that gift. Right now. Because the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He convicts us. He draws us to the Father. And it's as simple and it's as difficult as this. It's confessing our need. It's declaring that, that he is the Lord, that he is Christ. It's believing in our heart and saying, my life now is yours. Sometimes we can say it's a prayer and that's all, but the prayer has to be a, a prayer of believing from the heart. I'm not saying this is hard as far as like, it's difficult, but it is significant because it's a change of your life that you're going from living for yourself to living for him, and you're saying, God, here I am. So you're surrounded by many people who have taken this step, and I'm going to say a prayer, and as I'm praying, they're going to be praying as well. And we don't know who may, this might be, but I believe that God wants to bring some people into his kingdom this morning. 
that you just realize that when God looks at you, he's seeing a sinner who has yet to receive his grace. Right now, you can receive his grace. God, we thank you. God, that you are God, that you have formed us, that you created us, you know us. Your word says that nothing is hidden from you, that you know us even better than than we know ourselves, and you love us. So God, we pray for those that right now have realized that they're, are, they're sinners in need of receiving your grace. Right now, we pray, Lord, for the faith to trust you. God, that they would, they would receive this provision of Christ, that they would accept this gift of life, Lord, that you're offering. God, give them the courage, Lord. Give them the faith. Give them the confidence, Lord, to step forward to trust you. And Lord, right now, I just pray that you would lead them to this belief in their heart God, that you died, Jesus, that you died for them, that their sins are forgiven, the penalty's paid, and you right now are ushering them into a new life in you. And God, we pray that that life would be declared, confessed with their mouth, and it would be seen in their living, and that, Lord, at this moment, God, that they would step into this right relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer and you, and you have committed your life to the Lord, I want to encourage you before you leave to share that with somebody, to confess it with your mouth and allow people to come alongside of you and to walk with you. So God either sees us as sinners in need of receiving his grace or he sees us as sinners saved by his grace. For those that have stepped into that new life, they've been born again, we are, we are seen now, again, as new creations in Christ. I was just in a meeting this past week and it was so beautiful because we were looking at, at Ephesians chapter two and what really struck a number of us is this is that we are God's masterpiece. The Holy Spirit just like struck us. You know, some translations say we are his workmanship, but we are his masterpiece. Do you realize that you're his masterpiece? That when you're in Christ, when you've accepted him as your Lord and your Savior, that you are his masterpiece. Do you see yourself as God sees you? So many of you are familiar with this. This verse that, that was what, what we, part of what we read, and it's uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, to any, for anyone who is in Christ, the new creation has come, or you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. Do you see yourself as a new creation in Christ? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are. This is how God sees you. You're newly created. This is a new beginning. It's not the new and improved version of you. It's not the next generation or next, next uh, step up. You're a new creation in Christ. The old has gone. It, it's, it's, it's separated from you. As far as the east is from the west, so far your transgressions, your sin have been separated from you. You're a new creation in Christ. The old has gone. The new has come. God is living in you. And when God looks at you, he now sees, look at what God sees. God sees the righteousness of Christ in you. Do you see this? This is a struggle sometimes in all of our lives to put the past behind us and allow ourselves to be separated from it. In fact, Paul said that, that again in Philippians, he tells us this, one thing I do is forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So, so this is something that, that we accept, that we receive, and we need to grow in seeing ourselves more and more as, as God sees us. 
And as we've been looking at Grace Fellowship as, as how God would have us to, uh, to grow disciples, we're, we're seeing him establish and, and grow things that he has already established here. And one of the key things in our disciple-making process is freedom in Christ. And freedom in Christ is doing this very thing, is that, that it's, it's that process of walking through this together, and we've had hundreds of people already go through, is that it's helping us to see ourselves in this new identity of who we are in Christ and helping us to renounce the things that are against God's word, that are against how he sees us, so that we can proclaim, we can announce the truth of who we are in Christ. And one of those, um, the aspects of this is this, this sheet that's available. It's when you, when you came in, when you leave, uh, there's this handout that's been available for quite some time. It says, who I am in Christ. And they're declarations from Scripture. It has the references there of who we are in Christ. And what I'd like three people to do is to come up and read uh, somebody I'd like you to read the declarations of I am accepted, someone to read I am secure, and someone to read I am significant. And what I want, want those that come up to read, I'm just going to ask you to, uh, to just, just read slowly and clearly. Not everybody has this right in front of you. Thanks for putting your glasses on, brother. <laughs> Making me feel better. Um, but, Mike, if you would just read it slowly and clearly and just allow these words, I want you to receive these truths that you are accepted as a child of God. I am accepted, if you would just read that section, please. I am accepted. I am God's child. As a disciple, I am a friend of Jesus Christ. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord, and I am one with him in spirit. I have been bought with a price, and I belong to God. I am am a member of Christ's body. I have been chosen by God and adopted as his child. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. I have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I am accepted. Do you see yourself as accepted in Christ? Every one of those truths, they're from Scripture. Do you see yourself? I am secure. Who would like to read those declarations from I am secure? Okay, Danny. Glasses required if you're reading. So. Yeah. <laughs> I am secure. I am free from condemnation. I am assured that God works for my good in all circumstances. I am free from any condemnation brought against me, and I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have established... I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am confident that God will complete the good work he started in me. I am a citizen of heaven. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. I was born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Denny. I am secure. Uh, so the last one, glasses, if you don't need glasses, they're not required, but uh, who would like to read I am significant? Thank you, brother. I actually have contacts in, so okay, I'm nice. <laughs> I am significant. <clears throat> I'm a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine, and a channel of his life. I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am God's temple. <clears throat> I am a minister of reconciliation for God. 
I am seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realm. I am God's workmanship. workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Amen. Do you realize, do you see who you are in Christ? God is desiring that we would embrace these truths of who we are more and more fully, that we would see ourselves as he sees us. So, from now on, we don't regard ourselves from a worldly point of view. We, we desire, we commit to see ourselves as God sees us. Secondly, we do not regard other people from a worldly point of view. We do not regard other people from a worldly point of view. The worldly point of view typically says this, that I am better than you or you're better than me. Honestly, it's, I think it's that simple. That the world is going to either call us call it, or push us down and make us feel that we're not up to par with other people. Or the world's going to try to exalt us and say that you're a step above. So this competitive or comparative nature is inherent within the world. And, and you know, if you want to see it clearly, just look at just about any ad. And you look at what's being advertised. They're trying to sell you something, a product. They're trying to sell you experience. And how are they doing it? They're going to make you feel subpar. If you don't have this, you must you know, so, so that's part of the ad. Or they're, they're saying, they're trying to convince you that you're part of this elite group and the, elite, the people in this elite group, this is what they do. This is what they have. So there's this competitive, comparative nature that is within our culture, and that's the mindset of the world. And unfortunately, we are impacted as believers in Christ. We're impacted by the world. We're bombarded. It, it bothers me that on gateway, BibleGateway.com, I got to deal with ads, <laughs> So I don't, okay, I'll give you my trick. I minimize that screen a little bit and, it, and, and it like zoom out and it gets rid of the ads. All I see is scripture. And I have to do that at times because I'm trying to read the scripture and they keep flashing these ads on the side that are doing these very things. And I'm not against BibleGateway.com. I understand that that's, I'm sure that's how they're funded. But, but this is what the world is constantly, constantly bombarding us with. It's this comparative. So here's what happens. And as we were meeting in a pastor's meeting, this just became so clear. Even as believers, what happens is that we evaluate instead of seeing value. Just let that settle in a little bit because I, I'm confident that we all struggle with this. Is that we evaluate instead of seeing value. So what happens is that when, when I'm looking at, an, at another person, now you're going to think I'm judging you guys. No, but, but I mean, like, like it's natural for us. We're making evaluations as we look at people, you know, whether we're driving in the road, if we're in the store, if we're in church, and we're in our homes, that we move to this place of evaluation instead of simply valuing. And how, what does God, God see? What, what would he call us to do? Now, first of all, God sees all things, okay? So we're not going to be able to see all things. Like even in the, the prayer earlier, it's like I said about how God, um, God knows everything about us. Well, we're not going to be able to see as God sees and see everything about each person. But that's part of the wisdom is that seeing as God sees says that, that we're, we're not going to make judgments because we know that we don't see it all. And, you know, there is a day of judgment. God, God's withholding that judgment right now. 
He's given us today as a day of salvation. He's desiring for us to, to again, see and hear his call. Okay? But can we see people for who they truly are in regards to their value? Can we realize that, that the same Jesus Christ who died for my sin and took all of my penalty on the cross died for them too? Every single person. Everyone that we see. Everything that we, anybody that we've ever seen in our lives. Anybody that has ever lived on this planet. Jesus gave his life for them. What's the price that is paid is what establishes the value. And we talk about it being ground level at the foot of the cross. It truly is. It's not a matter of, of like a person's of a certain class or a certain race or a certain, certain ability or intellect. No, we're all of the same value because Jesus paid the same price for all of us. Can we see one another as valuable as God sees us? Can we look at every person? And I want you to just think about, about those that you may be quick to move toward having condemning thoughts or having some kind of, you know, building a wall of separation. Can we see them as God sees them of infinite value? Will we allow God to give us his eyes to see as he sees? And here's the thing is that I, I, this has been transformational in my life. It really has that, that God has been convicting me. Like we, have, we can so quickly move to judgments in our thinking based on what we're seeing, and it can be our history and things like that, we quick, so quickly move to judgment, and God's just constantly reminding me, like literally when I'm driving down the road and I see a person, if, if, my, if, if I have a thought that isn't a positive, up, uplifting thing toward them, even based on how they're driving, you know what? God's calling me and leading me more and more to see them as one loved of God. And you want I, who am I to judge when God values them that way? And this really does, it changes our human interactions. Within our families, do you realize how much we, we move to behavioral responses instead of seeing the value of those within our own home? God wants us to see one another as he sees us. Now, something that's been helpful for me and, and uh, you, you, know, you may be able to pick holes in this, and that's fine, but, but a general perspective that I've tried to take on is in regards to other people. I need to see, I need to look at them and say that, that I'm with you or I'm for you, but I'm not against you. I think I've shared this before, but like, like for those that are in Christ, uh, when, when we're in the, in the family of God, it's not like you need to label every person and say, hey, are you a believer or not? Because it depends on how I look at you. <laughs> I'm not saying that, okay? Now, I know how to look, look at you. We're, we're with one another, okay? But like, so for believers in Christ, we are with one another. We are on the same team. In fact, I want you to listen to this according to Scripture. We are members together of the same body, the body of Christ. We are sheep in the same flock under the great shepherd, which is Christ. We are brothers and sisters in the same family with God as our father and Jesus as our elder brother. We are members together of the bride that will be called away to our bridegroom, Jesus. And we are living stones joined together with Jesus, the cornerstone to be the temple that God dwells in. Do you see the oneness in every one of these? So if we are with believers in Christ, we are with one another. We have to have that perspective. 
And that's why Scripture is so strong against anybody that sows division within the body of Christ. That's why we're so established in being a body of peacemakers that when there's, there's dissension, when there's division, when there's difference, we don't run away from it, but we approach it as peacemakers desiring for unity to be established. We are one. We are with one another. So we're either with or we're for. So if somebody's not in the body of Christ, I'm not the one that's to be called out there and judge and to condemn and to browbeat and, you know, take my Bible, the biggest one I have, and hit them with it until they come to Christ. No, I'm for them, right? I'm called to be for them. It, we, we, if they're not in Christ, we can't partner that. We can partner in some things, but we can't partner as one if they have not yet stepped into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But I am for them. I'm desiring more than anything for them to come to know Christ. I'm either with or I'm for. I can't afford to be against when I find myself set against somebody, I need to allow God to, to, to open my eyes and see as he sees, that he would shift me and that he would move me to again see every person as he sees them. So I've already mentioned that when we started this passage this morning, verse 14, it's foundational to, to our mission series when we're looking at outreach. But Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. God's call for each one of us to live with his heart toward others. So from now on, we no longer regard others from a worldly point of view. We're called in that passage that we read, to be ministers of reconciliation. That means we're instruments that God uses to connect people to him. That's our missionary call. And one other key area that I want to touch on, and i going to touch this briefly, but it's extremely important, is that when we commit to not regard other people from a worldly point of view, as we allow God to help us in this, this is, I think, a key way that God is desiring for us to find victory in areas of lust and sexual immorality. When we follow God and we ask him to give us eyes to see that we would regard no one, others, from a worldly point of view. When we struggle with sexual temptation or acting out in sexual immorality, we fundamentally have a need for a corrected vision because we're not seeing other people as his creation, as those who he values, that those that he, as those who he desires to be our brothers and sisters in Christ for all of eternity. And what happens again, the society moves us so much to try to objectify and to see individuals as objects to fulfill desire, whether it's in the mind or acting out in sexual immorality. But as we allow God to give us fresh eyes to see others as he sees them, I'm telling you, victory is available. And those strongholds that can be in our lives can be broken as we allow God to give us his eyes for others. And this, I know for a lot of years, was seen more as a, a male issue. Our culture has made it gender neutral. And that this is a struggle for men and for women. And it's because our culture is bombarding us and saying that, that if you long for it, then satisfy yourself. Find a way. And God's saying, no, would you see others through my eyes? 
Would you see how beautiful I've created them to be? Would you see even the relationship that I'm desiring, the, the godly, righteous relationship that I'm desiring for you to have with others? God is calling us. Please don't, don't hear condemnation, but hear invitation to find freedom in places where you've been trapped. And you can do this through God's power. You can do this through his spirit and his word. And I want to pray specifically for this. God, we thank you. God, that you are God over all, Lord. You know us. You've created us. And God, you've created us even with longings and desires that you desire to be filled in the way that you have said is right and good. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see as you see. God, I pray in the midst, Lord, where we allow the worldly viewpoint to take root within our minds, within our eyes, within our hearts. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to invade. God, I pray for your word to stand strong. And I pray, God, that victory would be won. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit and your word. And Lord, we thank you that you are desiring to impart new eyes that bring freedom, that bring deliverance, that bring wholeness and righteousness in our living. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now this last one seems a little odd, but Paul specifically addresses this. So we do not regard, going forward, we do not regard Christ from a worldly point of view. And it's interesting in that verse, I, we've been focusing again on that first part of the verse that says that so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. The last part of the verse 16 says this, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Though we once regarded Christ from a worldly point of view, we do so no longer. What would Paul be saying? For one thing, there's a strong possibility, and as I did some study on this, there's, I hadn't really thought about this. We know that Christ, that, that, he, that Paul actually opposed Christians, and he was, he was violent against Christians for a time. But because of his role as a Pharisee, he probably had at least sight, hearing, and possibly interaction with Christ as a Pharisee. And he would have been seeing Christ from a worldly point of view. He was seeing Christ possibly as one who, who was wise, who was, who was intelligent, uh, certainly one that, that many called to be a prophet, certainly one that, uh, that worked miracles. But he would also be seeing Christ from a worldly point of view in that he was seeing Christ as one who upset the religious organization. He, he was one that was, um, that was causing trouble. But the thing is that even the disciples were wrestling, even though they walked with Christ, they wrestled with this very thing as well. Because even though they, uh, they heard the teachings of Christ, they embraced and walked with Christ, um, they were still struggling because they were still locked in on this worldly point of view. But what happened when Jesus died and resurrected, he went back to the Father, he sent the Spirit, there was revelation that came about who Christ truly is, that Christ is the Son of God the everlasting, the one who has existed before time, the one through whom all things were created. So when we look at Christ, we cannot afford to still look at him through a worldly point of view. We're not gonna allow, we, there's no way that we can reason out everything that, that Christ said or did or claimed apart from the spirit of God bringing revelation. So though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer, and that is that commitment to see Jesus Christ for who he truly is the eternal Son of God, the one who is seated at the right hand of God the Father. As we've been saying, he is the one that, that is able to empathize with us in our weakness because he's been where we are. 
He's the one who has sent the Spirit to give us power to live in a victory that we can't do on our own. So we cannot afford to any longer look at Christ from a worldly point of view, but see him as a living son of God, the almighty, the perfect, the righteous one. And this is specifically something that Paul has told us in this chapter, in this verse. And in Revelation, we see the exalted Christ, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So may we see Christ in this way. So as we look at these three things, ways that, that we can have eyes to see as God sees, it has to do with no longer seeing ourselves from a worldly point of view, no longer seeing others from a worldly point of view, no longer seeing Christ from a worldly point of view. And here's a key way to step into this more fully. It's actually at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the previous chapter, where these last three verses say this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So listen to this. So we fix our eyes on what, so we, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is, un, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I'm sorry, I say this so much by memory that I have problems when I try and read it. Uh, so I'm going to free myself right now. I want to say 18 without looking at that. It may not be exactly word for word, but here's the truth. So we fix our eyes through God's glasses, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. To have the eyes of God needs to be fixing on what is lasting, what is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away, but he endures forever. He lives forever, and we will live forever with him. Will we fix our eyes on that, on he who is eternal? on the eternal aspect, the part of each one of us, because we are all eternal beings. Not fixing our eyes on what is seen, but on what is unseen. So having, living with this eternal perspective is absolutely key and foundational to seeing as God sees. Will you do that with me? Would we all purpose to see as God sees? God, we thank you, Lord. God, that you give us vision that we cannot have on our own. We thank you, Lord that you do in us far beyond what we can even think, ask, or imagine. So God, I want to thank you uh, for your word that is light and life. We thank you, Lord, that your word speaks to us, that convicts us and draws us. We thank you, Lord, that you are perfect and you do all things well. So Lord, right now we want to, uh, to just again confess, Lord, that we need you. Uh, God, we need to take purposeful steps to see as you see, and I thank you that you lead us step by step. God, help our eyes to see and Lord, I thank you, Lord, that it's all based on your gift, your free gift of salvation. God, it's the grace what you have poured out. And God, as we embrace you more fully, I thank you, Lord, that you will give us eyes to see as you see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Grace, would you please stand as we offer up worship once again to you?